BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits, and I'm bringing it to you real and unfiltered. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. This episode is brought to you by Kalina Health, and my guest today is fan favorite, third time returning guest, Vanessa Rosetto. She is a registered dietitian and also the CEO and co-founder of Kalina Health. And I think this episode is so timely. It's the end of the year. Everyone is going into the new year, probably thinking about how to have a healthier relationship with food, have a healthier relationship with their body, and just have healthier habits when it comes to eating. And Vanessa is the perfect person to talk to about this. She has a very straightforward, no BS approach to nutrition. And Colina, which she is the co-founder of, like I mentioned, is an amazing tool for you guys to be aware of. And she had a really great point that we talked about in this episode, and that is that people are pretty quick to embrace something like therapy for mental health, where, you know, you go maybe once a week and you discuss any challenges that you're having and how to navigate that. But when it comes to anything food related, whether somebody is trying to lose weight in a healthy, sustainable way, or maybe somebody's having a challenging relationship with food where they feel like they're constantly restricting and they want to break out of that, or they're emotional eating and they want to break out of that, or they're having digestive issues or whatever it is the first thought isn't always to see a dietitian and it isn't always accessible and she's on a mission to change that with Kalina Health. So it provides clinically driven nutrition care delivered by top dietitians. They have dietitians that specialize in all major subspecialties, including pre and postnatal health, gestational diabetes, and weight loss. And Kalina Health is highly personalized for each patient because they understand that we're all unique and deserve to work with somebody who understands that. The amazing thing about this, well, there are a few amazing things, but it's covered by insurance and they're in network with most plans, which is not always the case with something like therapy. 
So Vanessa is super passionate about making sure that everybody has access to a registered dietitian because we all know that what we eat and how we eat affects so many other aspects of our lives. So if you guys want to check out Kalina Health, go to kalinahealth.com. That's C-U-L-I-N-A health.com. And you can register to book your first initial session and mention the Blonde Files or Blonde, and they will connect you with Vanessa's team of dietitians for your initial session. Okay, so now on to the episode. Like I said, I think it's a great episode for this time of year when I've been doing Q&As on Instagram for my own solo episodes. A lot of people have been asking about holiday indulging and how to kind of rebound after maybe a night of binging or overindulging. And I'm no expert, so I thought Vanessa is the perfect person to talk about this because she is so knowledgeable. I love her approach and Everybody loved her the past few times that she's been on the show. So we talk a lot about that and we talk about just how to improve your relationship with food and have healthier habits. And we do talk about how to lose weight and maybe maintain weight in a healthy and sustainable way. We also talk a little bit about how not everything is diet culture. I think we're in this place right now where if somebody wants to lose weight, they feel a little bit of shame because they feel like maybe they're being influenced by diet culture, and that isn't always the case. So we discuss that. We talk about why restriction doesn't work. We talk about how to deal with emotional eating and binge eating, what to aim for with each meal, why fad diets don't work. And then we had to talk about Ozempic. I got so many questions about this. So we talk about Ozempic, Wegovy, I don't know if I'm saying that right, and these other medications for diabetes that people are using off-label for weight loss. So that's towards the end of the episode. Make sure you stick around for that. And I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time, even though I see you on Instagram. So I feel like I'm all caught up. (laughs) Were you on in 2020? I think it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And we were just talking off mic that you're now my second three-peat. So (laughs) I feel special. Yeah. When I talked with you, I had like randomly rented a house for my family down the shore because I was like, we can't live in this apartment right now. We need to go somewhere else. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. It seems like that was a week ago and 10 years ago at the same time. Yeah. We survived. (laughs) We all survived COVID. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. Well, we were just talking about how the timing of this is kind of perfect because the end of the year, almost a new year, and so many people are either making resolutions or reevaluating their lifestyle and also enjoying the holidays and indulging. And I've been getting tons of questions about how not to indulge and how to stay in control, which is not my approach to nutrition. I know that it's not really yours either. So I would love to delve into all of that, being that this is coming out the day after Christmas. Oh, cool. Why don't we just start there if people are listening to this and they're like, wow, I indulged so much yesterday. I feel so gross. I have to now restrict today. What do you say to that? I mean, the thing is, is like, we know that restriction just doesn't work for the long term. So if you want to make any kind of habit that's like truly sustainable, then you're going to have to go at it like a definitely like different way. So I would say, first of all, like now it's Christmas, the day after Christmas. And now, you know, we have 
New Year's Eve coming and like, you know, it's like big party times and people want to go out and all those things. So you really have to think like, first of all, what is my goal? Is my goal weight loss? Is my goal just like not to overindulge? Is my goal to like limit the amount of alcohol that I take? And whatever the goal is, you have to first like align yourself to that. And then you have to work on the behaviors that are in line with the goal. So Mm -hmm. if the goal is that you want to reduce your alcohol intake, then you should probably not go to a party every night, right? Like Mm -hmm. those are the things. But like the restricting is never going to work because what happens is you do it for like this finite amount of time. and then there is something that happens in your life. Maybe some stress happens. Maybe you forgot to pick up your kid. I've done that recent time, poor children, (laughs) whatever it is. And then you feel guilty. And then you're going to eat the like too many cookies or drink a bottle of wine or whatever the thing is. And then you're going to feel guilty. And then you're probably going to be like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to keep going. And then you go down this cycle. So better to just find the one thing that you can manage, perfect that, and then move on to the next thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I've also heard people say that the biggest predictor of weight gain is actually restriction and Mm -hmm. dieting in that sense. I mean, I think there is obviously a healthy, sustainable way to lose weight and keep weight off. And we can talk about that. But this idea of restricting and restricting a lot of foods and restricting calories, that is going to have a rebound effect, right? Totally. And so people's weight or the way that their bodies look, we really are learning is genetic. And so if you come from a family where everyone is in a larger body, then you likely too will be in a larger body. Whatever that body looks like, there are very variations, but that is what your makeup is. And there isn't a whole lot we can do except to say, if you then approach this like, oh, I've always been 180 pounds, but I so desperately need to be 130 pounds. I've never been there in your life. And now you're restricting all the time. That's going to create this propensity for restriction binge, restriction binge. And then you're going to end up at 260 pounds because you've gone this whole other way. So I'm not saying that we can't do things that will support what the goal is, but really being realistic about the goal. And so maybe it's like, hey, you know what? I eat a lot of cookies every night and that's probably not really supportive of me losing the weight that I that I would like to lose. So maybe I'm going to reduce that and I'm going to see where that gets me, right? Like things that are actionable instead of the restriction because the restriction is just, you can only do it for so long and you mm-hmm. always go back to overeating and that's at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So being that we're coming up on the new year, if people are listening to this and they do want to lose weight or they do want to cut back on their alcohol or they do want to cut back on their cookies, do you recommend writing it down and just getting their goals in front of them so that they can be clear on them? I know that sometimes I feel like I want to change certain habits, but I don't really even know what my current habits are and what my goals are until I actually see it in front of me. A hundred percent. So people are, are always saying like, Right, you know, tracking your food is like very triggering. And I'm like, well, it it could be triggering for some people, but for other people, it's helpful. So we have to figure out who you are and then we go from there. For but for all of us who it's not triggering and it's actually helpful to see things written down. When you write down what you eat and how you spend your day every day for seven days, you then can sit and look at it and then identify patterns. And once you identify patterns, like I said earlier, you can do one thing at a time. So you could be like, oh, I've gained 10 pounds in the last year. And I noticed that like four times a week, I have four glasses of wine. 
maybe for the next week, I'm going to try to only have two or three glasses of wine one day a week. Let me see if that's going to help support me. And then at the end of that next week, you're like, oh, actually, look at that. I lost two pounds by reducing my alcohol this much. So I didn't remove food. I removed a behavior because for me, alcohol is a behavior, right? It's mm-hmm. to, it's to like not feel other things. So like, okay, now I did that. Great. Now I can go on to the next thing. What's the next thing that I noticed? Oh, actually, I don't eat any vegetables ever. Okay, I'm going to add a salad or like cut up carrots every day at lunch. Is that going to help support me, right? And so then you can like build upon it and get to your goal actually like probably faster, truly. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the alcohol example specifically too, I remember when I was drinking, even if I just had a glass of wine or two, that would usually lead to more eating in my case. So that might be kind of an unconscious habit that somebody might have where then they get it down on paper and they're like, oh yeah, like when I have a few drinks, then I'm yeah. you know, putting my hand in the cookie jar or whatever it is. That's right. Because when you drink alcohol, it immediately relaxes you. And then you your inhibitions like sort of like go out the window. So then you're thinking like, oh, well... Today, I actually didn't eat all day in anticipation of coming out here and having these drinks. So now it actually doesn't really matter that I'm eating. And actually, the truth is alcohol is seen by your body as a poison. And so your body has to sacrifice all metabolic processes to metabolize the alcohol. I'm not saying you can't have a glass of wine. It's not that. But if this is like a constant, then you're going to start to notice something. So it's not actually like the best way. And, and you know, like, do you need to have drinks every single night of the week? Like. No, it's actually like we know that people who drink more have higher instances of insulin and that might lead to cancers. We can directly correlate head and neck cancer to overconsumption of alcohol. So that reduction is just overall good for your like longevity sake Mm -hmm. is what I always say. So yeah. Can you talk about what other metabolic processes are sacrificed by your body having to process the alcohol? I've never heard that before. Yeah. So like, you know, when you, when you wake up and you're like, I'm hungover, well, it's really that your body didn't utilize any of the nutrients from the food that you ate because Mm. your body had to push the alcohol out. So let's say you had wine, your body actually has to break the wine down into ethanol and then a byproduct called acetaldehyde and push it away from the bloodstream. And so when that happens, everything, everything that you ate, whatever now stored as fat because your body can't do multiple things at one time, right? And so this is why we have to be mindful when we're consuming alcohol. And this is why every time I see like a commercial for like, this alcohol is 96 calories. And it's like, well, you're actually trying to pretend that 96 calories of alcohol and 96 calories of like chicken are metabolized in the same way and they are not. Mm -hmm. So if you think that like you having a vodka soda. I mean, having a vodka soda versus a glass of wine is less taxing on the body, right? Because vodka is in its straight form, right? There's mm-hmm. no like sugar that has to get broken down. So it could go from the vodka to the acetyl, the ethanol to the acetaldehyde. But still, ha- there is a process happening here. And so mm-hmm. overconsumption is not going to do you any, any benefits. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the calorie component of that because I remember back when I was counting macros, I never counted calories per se, but I was counting every macro and everything that I was eating within a certain range of calories, basically. The concept behind that is that you can eat anything so long as it's within those calories and those macros. 
But like you're saying, 96 calories of chicken is very different from 96 calories of wine. And I would imagine that's very different from 96 calories of French fries. So can we expand on that a little bit? Because I do know that people are still... I don't know if counting macros is as popular now outside of the fitness world, but I know that people go into the new year with calorie plans and all these ideas about what they're going to do with their diet. Yeah. It's like same with like intermittent fasting, right? It's I think <laughs> it's the same thing, right? It's just like, I'm just going to eat this much in this window and I'm going to eat whatever I want and I'm going to lose weight. And so first of all, all the studies that we have on intermittent fasting are only done on men. So like, I don't know if you're like, actually like, white males, like 35 to 65. So if you are a perimenopausal woman, how are these two things relating? They don't. So many things affect you, right? So like if you're having 96 calories of Oreo cookies and 96 calories of chicken, like think about it. If I'm eating an Oreo cookie, like remember those 100 calorie packs? Mm-hmm. You eat it, right? It, those were huge. They were huge. Day. Yeah, because snack like, oh, wells. Yeah. Those? <laughs> oh my god, snack wells. It was like I think in high school we thought snack wells were like free foods. We were like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's fat, it's fat free. So like, just eat the whole box. It doesn't yeah. matter. And it's like, yeah. well, they take away the fat and then they add sugar, and sugar makes fat. So like, you're in the same problem. So yeah. this does not work at all. But <laughs> when you eat 100 calories of cookies, it just gets digested really quickly, and then you end up still hungry, right? Like you're always wondering like, oh, I ate this, but I'm still hungry. Yeah, because there was no protein in there, right? So there's nothing Mm -hmm. to keep you full versus this chicken. And so that's why I always think like counting calories isn't really the way. And like counting macros also just makes you like over like obsessive, right? Like, because you're like, oh, I have to get like these macros in. And then at the end, right, you have like 98 grams of carbs left and then someone's eating Oreo cookies and they're like, wait, why didn't I lose weight? I stayed in my macros and you're like, oh, this is so complicated. <laughs> and so and so it's better to approach it like I should be eating vegetables at lunch and dinner at least. That's like a good like rule, right? And mm-hmm. so you can get your mind around that. It's like much easier. Like, oh, I can have a cup of cut up carrots. I can have, you know, a cup of cucumbers. I can also roast broccoli, whatever is like quick and easy, but like knowing that that should appear there, or I, I should have one piece of fruit a day. Like that's really easy for people to get their hand, like their brains around and like protein can exist in whatever form, right? Tofu, beans, chicken. It's like, it's fine. So the less like, you know, hyper-focused it is, but it's like broad, but also like not broad, but it makes it easier for people to be like, oh, okay, I can actually do this and complete this. But because everybody has a different idea about what works in the nutrition world, it's because diets do work if you follow them, but how long, it's a sustainability, right? How long can you follow that diet? It's like really hard, right? And the thing is, is like, what are you willing to do? Like, what do you want to do? What's not going to make you crazy about like, your life and the way that you look and the food that you eat and you have to eat every day. So I'm always like guiding people around, like here are foods that you can put into your diet that are just more supportive for you and like leave the rest. Like keto is only going to work for so long. Also, if you're, you know, we're not doing keto in a way in America, that's like smart. We're like, oh, keto? Great. I'm going to eat cheeseburgers. Bacon and cheeseburgers. (laughs) you're, You're like, cool now. And then they're like, why is my LDL 190? Like, because you ate so much saturated fat. (laughs) So come on, guys, right? Like, Mm -hmm. those are the things that people don't execute properly because we just hear like one snippet of something and then we like run with it. Mm -hmm. So should we be sitting down to a meal thinking about 
eating for satiety. I saw you do a post actually that your breakfast should keep you full for four hours. What should be the main components that we're thinking about? Protein, fiber, fats, satiety, obviously enjoyment is part of that because if you're not enjoying it, then like what the hell are you doing? Right. What is the point? Because God, this life is full of many things that we don't need that we can't (laughs) enjoy. So let food be something I can enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I want to eat food that I like, but I also want to feel full. And this is like where there's this whole debate, right? Everyone now is like so afraid to say anything. Like somebody came to me the other day and they're like, I want to lose weight, but I don't know if it's the right thing. Cause I Mm -hmm. feel like because I want to lose weight, it means I have an eating disorder. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about you. And then I was like, well, you don't have an eating disorder. Like she was like, oh, I don't. I was like, no, (laughs) like you just want to lose some weight. That's fine. It's okay. (laughs) Right. So I saw that you reposted somebody else's post, I think about, not everything is diet culture. And that was something that I wanted to dive into as well. Yeah, like not everything is diet culture. I think for a very long time, the lens that we looked at like nutrition or whatever was very specific, right? Whoever the powers that be are like, hey, everybody wants to be a size zero and look like Kate Moss. This is the standard of beauty and that's it. And then I guess all of those people realized that they had eating disorders. And so then everyone must have an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And so now... If you say anything about being mindful of your food or whatever, then your eating is disordered. Like I had somebody tell me that, like, I love dessert, so I don't keep a ton of dessert in my house that I like. So my kids have like tons of candy and they, maybe they eat it, maybe they don't, but I really enjoy like cookies and chocolate and those things. And I don't keep them around because I know I will overeat them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I have an eating disorder. It just means I don't want to have them in my house and be like, sitting here eating sleeves of cookies at night because I could very easily do that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's okay. Or me giving a patient a strategy like who has the same propensities like, oh, I love ice cream. Okay, great. You can go have ice cream, but you have to go to the ice cream shop and eat the ice cream there. So you did it and you had it and you didn't overdo it. So you feel happy and good and you enjoyed it, but now you don't have to worry about overdoing it at your house. That's like sound advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like this is what you, and the same thing with like your breakfast, don't eat something that you don't like. Like if you don't like eggs, don't eat eggs. But if you like cereal, what is the way to make that cereal more nutrient dense? Well, you can get a high fiber, high protein cereal. You could eat your cereal with plain non-fat yogurt. Like there are ways around it to still have the things that you like, and maybe even expose yourself to something that you wouldn't have done before. But like, we can't have our heads in the sand. Like I don't want to have a heart attack. I don't want to be so overweight later on in my life that maybe I have difficulty moving my body because moving my body outdoors helps my mental health. Like it's not just about the food. It's what is the snowball effect after that could make me feel like pretty bad and then like adversely affect my mental health. Yeah, I like those tips too of like keeping the foods that you enjoy, but finding ways to eat them that might be better. for you in the long run, better for your blood sugar, I would imagine. Yeah. Because so many of those breakfast cereals, for example, can spike your blood sugar, then you're crashing and you're starving later. But adding something like a Greek yogurt or nut butters and seeds and things like that can help extend that. Yeah. And also like, what are the things that you like? So my daughter loves cereal, which infuriates me because my husband has her like eating like kicks and he's like, there's no junk in this. I'm like, oh my God. It is- oh my God. Those were so good. Yeah. I'm like, it is junk. Like what? And, but my daughter is like very cool. So she's like, I'll eat a hard boiled egg. I'm like sold. So then it's like, everyone is happy. Right. Cause uh-huh. like 
Also, like my kids are lactose intolerant. So the milk is almond milk. So it doesn't have like a ton of protein in it. So you're just Mm -hmm. sort of like, great, now what? But she, (laughs) so she has her cereal. She eats her cereal. She has fruit on the side, does that. And then she's got an egg. And then Mm -hmm. I feel happy and everyone's good. And she understands that part of it, right? That you need protein to be full because you don't want to go through your day. Lunch is is far away and you don't get a snack because of some stupid bullshit COVID rule that I'm like, is COVID still existing here? At school? Oh my God. I like send the principal articles. I'm like... (laughs) Wait, they can't have snacks? So funny. So they let the little kids have have a snack, but they don't let the big kids. And I'm like... Well, because, you know, a little kids will just terrorize the teacher. A fifth grader is going to like be quiet. And I'm like, yeah. this is not okay. They eat breakfast at 6 a.m. They need a snack. I need a snack. You need a snack. Like this is, you know, people who don't snack, they, propensity kids have propensity towards obesity. Here are all the PubMed articles. <laughs> She's just like, that's my husband's like. so frustrating, but this is a whole tangent, but that's a huge problem, right? Like the food system at public schools, especially for kids that go there and that's the only food that they're getting and they go yeah. there and they get some sugar bomb cereal and then they're not eating. How are they supposed to learn? That is so- just so it's crazy. so bad it's so bad and i one time had a patient who the kid had gained a bunch of weight in like the school year and the parents were like going crazy trying to like figure out why the family was reliant on school breakfast and school lunch and so i started to do like a deeper dive because at home the parents and the grandmother cooked like good food like you know the kid had a varied diet she had vegetables like she liked fruits and vegetables it was like fine and then i realized like oh she's reliant on the school breakfast and school lunch and it's trash like it was like graham crackers and apple juice for breakfast i was like no come on like this Uh. is what they're giving this kid like please it was so terrible and then like the parents were like okay forget it then we will figure out how to like afford the food and like you know we did something and the kid ended up like losing weight just because she grew and they're able to like hold the weight basically Mm because they got because the parents needed more education around the food, right? They right. it wasn't the fact that their kid was overeating; it was what she was being served was was terrible. But yeah, I mean, at my kid's school too. My kid goes to a private school, which is even more enraging because I like I pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, no, no! <laughs> they give like you know ice cream and chips as like snacks. They have them like fruit snacks, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> but that's the thing is that like if nobody is educated on nutrition, which they generally aren't and they aren't being more deliberate about how they speak to their kids about food what foods that they share with their kids the language that they use around the food everything feels like it's some kind of indulgence and then the food always has a charge and so from the beginning people aren't set up for success to just eat because they want to they enjoy it but like they're still other things out there that you can have. But I mean, that's a very complex mm-hmm. idea. That's that's another talk. That's the fourth, that's the fourth time I come on. <laughs> we'll have to do it. One question that I did get a lot in the last few Q&As that I did in the past couple of weeks was around emotional eating and binging. And I know that that can get really uncomfortable around the holidays too, because there are other difficult things that might be causing stress in somebody's life. And it's It is self-soothing. Well, I think it's like normal, right? Because Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that we're always looking for reasons not to feel, right? Like this is why people binge eat. This is why Mm -hmm. people do drugs. This is why people drink. Like they don't want to just admit that they're having a difficult time. And so like 
food could be a way for people to self-soothe. And so if it's like once in a while, this is not something for us to talk about, right? Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like like you're saying, you're like, sometimes I do it because it makes me feel better in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And you're not eating like a pie of pizza, a bag of Dorito. Like, you know, you, you're just like, oh, I had seven cookies instead of two. Like no <laughs> one's going to die today. But if this is like, multiple times a week of binge eating, then this is a conversation that we have to have because how is it affecting you mentally? How is it affecting your body? How is it affecting how you move, how you feel about yourself? Why are you doing this? What are you trying to cover up? So those are the things. And so again, a lot I've been hearing a lot of dietitians like being like, it doesn't matter. Like there's benefit for emotional eating. I'm like, <laughs> to a point. <laughs> <laughs> What? Like, I mean, I mean, I, I went to the doctor the other day and I, you know, I have high blood pressure because my life is a circus. And the doctor was like, okay, well, there are things that we could do, right? He was like, in not a charged way. He was like, it is reduction of stress, better sleep, reduction of weight. These are the three things that we can do right now in this moment to help you. And I was like, yeah, he's right. Like, mm-hmm. I can be behaving in a different way. And so I should take responsibility for that and work on that because... I've had my head in the sand just working, building something, and I haven't been taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I have to deal with that. He's like, no medication, go back and do this work. And we'll, I was like, well, I wasn't going to take the meds anyway, but fine. <laughs> he was like, and we'll talk later. I was like, okay, great. So I think those are the things we have to realize. Like, why are we doing things? And what are the things that we could do to make things better? And like being honest with whoever can offer you support is likely the first step. That's so refreshing to hear though. I think it's just important to hear that we don't all have it figured out all the time. I think that there's this perception because we just see the kind of surface level of people's lives online and and we think, okay, they figured it out for eternity. And that's just not the case. We go through different phases in our lives and we figure it out for a certain amount of time. And then life happens and we deviate a little bit from that path that we were on and then we get ourselves back on and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think like, it's just always so important to just tell the truth. Like I always tell the truth and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. My life is not perfect. The other day, my husband's like, if we eat another freaking chicken, we're going to cluck away. We got (laughs) to find something else to do. I'm like, I know it's like too much. (laughs) It's hard. Like everybody, you know, everybody's working. People have kids. People are trying to you know, make something of themselves. And like, it. things are so difficult for everyone. And I think like the other day, my therapist was like, can you just admit that you're having a difficult time? And I was like, yes, I can. I'm having a difficult time. She's like, thank you. Like, cause I think you're just supposed to like stuff down your feelings. And like you said, make it like, look at me on Instagram. I'm so mm-hmm. beautiful and perfect all the time. Yeah. And when you can be honest about it, it takes the power away from it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then it makes people open up too. And then other people are like, oh, okay. Like this person is supposed to be the pillar of health and like, shit, she has stage one hypertension. She's got to get her life together too. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're all doing it. We're trying. So I know that it's not universal and everybody's lifestyles and their health and everything is all different. And those all factor into this. But are there any universalities that we should all be cognizant of when we are eating? Are there things we talked a little bit about what to focus on with meals, but are there other things that we should consider to 
support our hormones, our energy? I mean, how can we approach the day in a sustainable, healthy way? I think first you have to realize that everyone is different. So like what works for your friend might not work for you. Mm -hmm. I think if you do that, that's like number one. So, you know, like just because this person is eating chia seeds doesn't mean I have to. Mm -hmm. Although chia seeds are really good guys. So try to get them in your diet every day. If you can, it's good for you. Like, And then just thinking about where can we get water, vegetables, and fruit? Like we all can get those things. Even if we're not, you know, close to farmer's markets, even if we don't have a ton of money, like you can get canned vegetables and water. You can get frozen vegetables from the grocery store. Like you, like yogurts are really great. Like, I don't care if you live in a food desert, like you could still get a Yoplait. It's gonna, it's fine. It's better than not because that's, there's, yes, there's sugar in there, but there's also protein and there's also calcium. And so there's good things in there. And so just because it's not like, dairy-free, like, it's okay. We'll move towards that when we can get near it. But like, these are things that can support good habits and also help to condition your taste buds to be interested in tasting other things. Oftentimes I'll watch shows because I'm so curious, like my 600 pound life, my thousand pound life. I'm like, how does this happen to people? I want to, I want to understand this. And so many times they'll be like, I never ate a meal at home. All my meals were fast food. That was all that my mother could afford. Well, if all my meals have been fast food, then I'm not going to be able to to really have a taste for fresh fruits and vegetables because nobody ever gave them to me because those tastes are required. And kids have bit all the moms out there, your kids' taste buds, everything tastes a little bit bitter to them. So they're never going to like broccoli until they're like, 10. So please just keep giving it to them and you don't like, don't make a big deal. They don't like it because it tastes weird, right? (laughs) Truly, it truly tastes weird. So I think like really just understanding like, hey, get in a vegetable every day, get in a piece of fruit every day. I don't care what fruit it is. I don't care what vegetable, drink some water. Those are really good ways to help support you, support your digestion, help things run well in your body. And then whatever other habits you have, we can work on them as time goes on. But that those are like, that's like that foundation so that the algorithm can work. And on the flip side of that, are there any things that you are like, absolutely not? Don't include this in your diet. <laughs> I mean, this is very hypocritical of me to say, all my friends are going to be like, did this girl just say this? But you should not drink soda. Don't drink it. It's really bad for you. I don't drink alcohol. So when I go out with friends, I will have a Diet Coke because I feel like it's more fun than just like a seltzer or something. Mm-hmm. But but otherwise, like, yeah, it's really bad for you. It like really messes with your microbiome. And so it's just like killing us all. So we should not be drinking that. Mm-hmm. But, How but, does you know, it mess with your microbiome? I know my audience loves gut health. Doesn't everyone? <laughs> um, it actually like dysregulates the bacteria. And oh. so, yeah. And so, you know, the thing with the microbiome, right, is that it proliferates, it turns over every 60 days and outside factors, environmental, you know, maybe you took an antibiotic that just like whatever, maybe you took a vitamin that wasn't cool. There's like phosphoric acid in sodas and like just different chemicals that disrupt the biome, especially if like me, I have slow motility. So like it's doubly terrible for me, but I just, that fizz hits really good sometimes. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, like not, let's not make a habit, but yeah, it's not really great for you guys. So don't. Have you ever had poppy? 
No. What is it? Is it good? Poppy is... Well, there's two. There's Poppy and Olipop. Oh, I've heard of Olipop. Yeah. Yeah. So they're similar. They're probiotic, healthy sodas. And I have to say... They're both really good and they have flavors that are so nostalgic and really taste like root beer and cherry and orange. And I would give them to Chuck and he loved them. Like he couldn't even tell the difference. So maybe I got to try like it's an all the time thing, but they're good. And you can like dilute it with some sparkling water and kind of make it like cocktail y. Oh, I love it. Okay. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You just want something like, Fizzy and fun. So yes. that's, yeah, 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 for <laughs> sure. For sure. Okay. Another question that I've been getting constantly is about Ozempic. Oh, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I know we like to talk about the celebrity tea a little bit here. So this, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everybody is familiar with it, but why don't we just start with what it is and how it works and the efficacy when it comes to weight loss? Yeah. So it was a GLP-1 inhibitor, a semiglutide. It will increase your insulin sensitivity, which means that you will be able to send out smaller amounts of insulin in order for you to uptake the carbohydrate into the cell. It helps with your blood sugar stabilization. You know, it's for type 2 diabetics and the rest of us, if we want some quick weight loss. And the Kardashians. Yeah. It slows down your digestion. So you shouldn't be as hungry. Also, it's fine, except for a couple of things that, first of all, some prelim stuff is coming out saying maybe it's going to cause pancreatic cancer. The thing though, with that, this is why studies are very important, my friends. (laughs) People, men, especially who have type 2 diabetes, have a propensity towards pancreatic cancer because they have that dysregulation of the insulin and they already have like a not greatly functioning pancreas. And so those are the people that tend to more so be on things like Ozempic. So trying to really get deeper into the study to understand how many of those people were pre-diabetic, how many of them were just for like weight loss. So it, that's something that we don't really know, but that's some of the musings that are coming out. Second of all, Ozempic is not for everyone. So for example, if you have any kind of GI issues that are like slowed down motility, et cetera, it's just going to delay the emptying even more and make your problems worse. So like if you're somebody who has like IBSC, like a lot of constipation, it's like not ideal for you. Also, when you come off of it, people tend to have rebound weight gain because they didn't work with a dietitian to really get those habits together. So it's not for everyone. That being said, I have plenty of patients and friends on it because it just does the job for them, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't have to think about it. They just take this injection. They eat whatever they want. It's back to that because that is the holy grail. Can I eat and drink whatever I want and still be a size whatever? That's what people Mm -hmm. want. (laughs) because <laughs> it just feels too much work to like think about this, right? And it feels restrictive not to be able to eat and drink whatever I want. So they wanted to do that. So, you mm-hmm. know, they have, you go to dinner with them and they order everything and they just take like, pick, 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 pick. And they're like, oh, I'm good. I'm full. But what does it teach you? Also, yeah. I have I have one of this, these cardiologists that sends me patients all the time. The other day he called me about a patient. He was just like, I've got these patients that are coming in here with, you know, on Ozempic, young women who tend to have, POTS, which is like posterior orthotic 
tachycardic syndrome. So they just end up having very low blood pressure and they keep passing out. And so they're on Ozempic. And so they already don't eat that much. And then they have low blood sugar and then they're passing out. He's like, this is really, yeah. And he's like, but they don't want to come off the drug because they're afraid they're going to gain weight if they do. And I'm like, yes, these are all real things. Send them (laughs) my way and I will help them. (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, do what you want. But Ozempic, I basically end up getting all my patients off of Ozempic. Interesting. Yeah. I'm like, you don't need it. Let me tell you why. I don't know a whole lot about it other than the alleged people who have been (laughs) taking it. And I know it's very popular, but I always wonder what happens when you go off it to... Yeah, to lower your... Because this is the thing. When you eat a carbohydrate, your body sends out insulin to bring the carbohydrate into the cell because the carbohydrate is the main energy source, right? And so if you're always overeating carbohydrate, insulin is always going to be high. And if insulin is always high, your weight is always going to be high. Mm. And so the thing that you have to think about is someone who is a type 1 diabetic generally is very thin because they don't make any insulin. So they don't have any. People who are type 2 diabetic have a dysregulation. So they make it in like weird ways and they don't, they don't use it properly. Their body isn't taking it in at the right rate. So they're generally overweight. And so we're sitting around here playing with these meds, doing things that are like off-label to see if it's going to help people lose weight. And you're just like, I mean, also, what about the diabetics who really need it? Mm. Like, how about that? Like, is there shortage apparently? Like people aren't really able to get to it. So it just feels like let's not even go there unless we actually really need it. But that being said, like most endocrinologists will give you fentramine, they'll give you ozempic. Now we have Wegovy. Wegovy is like, mm-hmm. that's for if you are like over BMI of 35, that's a very high dosage of Ozempic. So we're seeing that it's working like 20% weight loss, like pretty fast. Um, wow. Yeah. And then now there's a new drug that's supposed to come out. One of my friends was telling me about it. She's like, it's going to blow everything out of the water. I was like, what is this? She's, <laughs> she's, um, yeah, she's a, a CD out of Emory. She's like, it like, She's like, I don't even know why anyone would need a dietitian anymore. They would just take this pill. I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, you'll see. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So some scary stuff coming up there. But, oh but the gosh. thing is also is that there is use for pharmacologic. You know, if mm-hmm. somebody is 500 pounds and they don't want to have gastric bypass, a drug like a Wegovy or a Nozempic is going to help them. So we shouldn't turn our nose up at them, but we just need to use them in a really thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. For somebody who doesn't fall into that category and maybe they just want to lose a few pounds or they want to sustain the weight that they're at or they lost weight and now they're happy where they are, what do you think is the key? Yeah, I think basically realizing that, first of all, your fat cells don't go away. They just shrink and they have memory. So it's always easy to like gain weight back. So you remember that part. And then you can seek out the help of a dietitian. It doesn't have to be us. You can go to whoever you want. but it's okay to be accountable to someone. You don't have to see them every single day, you know, but these people are going to help give you tools. They're going to learn about you, about your life, about the things that you like and don't like and give you tools so that you could be set up for success. It's ongoing. It's never going to be something that you can just like set it and forget it just because of the messaging that we get, the way that food is processed in this country, like what we have access to. It is pretty hard to do. You can do it, but you know, people need support and that's okay. I think it's so amazing what you're doing too, because we haven't even gotten to this yet. But with Kalina Help, you have an online platform where people can sign up and have that ongoing support and you take insurance. So I think so many times people 
follow influencers or follow nutritionists online, which is good to a certain extent if that person is promoting something healthy and sustainable and science-backed and all of that, which with online personalities, you just never know nowadays. But I think you're investing in your health and it's not just about what you eat. It affects so many other aspects of your life. So I think that it is just such a good place for people to start if they're just feeling like I've tried everything and nothing is sticking. Yeah. It's so interesting to me how like people will be like, so you're just going to like go to the dietitian every week. I'm like, you go to a therapist every week, you go to a trainer every week. Like why can't you go to the dietitian every week? I feel like people go to therapy to figure out how to deal with emotional eating and binging. All the time. Like All the time. My therapist sends me so many patients. They're like, they're like, where do we get these people from? I'm like, yeah, we, the therapist. Because they're like, oh, I was thinking about you today because I was talking to one of my patients and like everyone has problems with food. I'm like, I know, send them mm-hmm. our way. So like, yeah. And we take insurance, whereas many therapists don't take insurance. Personal trainers don't take insurance. So like, mm-hmm. it's okay to talk to someone about your food. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. That's what I we went to school for. And one of my friends, the husband is a doctor and she has like GI issues. And she was like following an influencer and like taking a probiotic that the influencer took. And she was like, this is ridiculous, but this probiotic doesn't work. I was like, oh, it definitely doesn't work. But here, do this, this, and this. And she's like, oh my God, I used to never go to the bathroom. And now I go every day. I unfollowed every influencer. I was like, good for you. She's, she's Ooh, like, I hope it wasn't me. No, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was somebody, she like sent me the person and I was like, oh boy. She was like, what is this? She's like, why are they saying that this probiotic works if it doesn't? I was like, somebody paid them? I have no idea. She's yeah. like, this is so bad. But it was just hilarious. It's like hilarious because I just want people to know that like, you know, not one size fits all. You don't have to pay a million dollars for anything. Like mm-hmm. we can get you well and you could just like pay a copay, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that example that you just used is so important too, because for one person, maybe eliminating gluten and dairy cured whatever symptoms they were dealing with. And you try to do that and that doesn't work. So then you follow somebody else and they restricted FODMAPs. And so you do that and that doesn't work. And suddenly you're backed in in this corner trying to say without where you have food becomes something that's really stressful and I feel like that probably has an adverse reaction on so many things as well like of course it does and like people exactly they just like go down this hole they're like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this all the things that they're doing are like super restrictive Mm -hmm. none of it is working for them then they're just like depressed and then they go like the opposite way because they're like fuck it nothing works so then they start like eating God knows what. And then they come to you and they're like, I look like I'm six months pregnant. I'm so miserable. I'm so hungry all the time. And you're like, okay, (laughs) let's go back to like basics. And then they're like, look at you. And then you fix whatever the problem is. And they're like, holy shit, that worked. I'm like, I know it needs to be personalized Mm -hmm. and it's not one size fits all. So you can't just assume that whatever worked for the one person is going to work for everyone. Just like, Mm -hmm. it's not a thing. So tell everybody about Kalina Health and what they get if they sign up and where they can find you as well. Yeah, we just got another term sheet. So we'll have raised like $10 million in seed funding, which is amazing. We are one-on-one nutrition health, nutrition education via telehealth. We do have offices in like all major cities like LA, Atlanta, wherever, but everyone wants to be online, which is totally cool. We take insurance. All of our 
practitioners are registered dietitians. They get a lot of supervision and a lot of care, which is really good so that they can, you know, support all of the patients. Everything is just super personalized. So like there's an intake questionnaire and then we work with you every single week for an hour and we get you to whatever your goal is, which feels like very good. It feels like so good when somebody is like, I, all my lab values are are good now. And like, I'm going to live and like, I don't have to take medication anymore for diabetes or whatever. You're like, yes, this feels so good. Or like people who had been restricting. I had one girl over the summer who had been on a diet since she was 13. And then we just like worked together for like six weeks. And she was like, I have never been this low in my weight before. And like, I'm not crazy. And I'm not like restricting anything and I'm eating food and I feel so good. And I like wanted to, I was like crying. I was like, this feels so happy for this woman. Like mm-hmm. she's like, I'm, she's like, I truly feel free. I'm like, I'm so glad <laughs> Like that's so that's what we do. We literally give you food freedom by like holding your hand through it, which is. I think that's so amazing because I think that people conceptually can understand that, okay, I'm restricting all this stuff. I'm dieting, I'm counting calories, whatever the case is, and I'm not getting where I want to be. And it's really stressful and I'm putting so much time and energy into this. And I know that maybe if I can learn how to be more intuitive with it, that might help things fall into place, but they need some handholding getting to that point. Yeah. I just think like the narrative out there is like, there's something shameful if you need support around your food. Like mm-hmm. says who? Yeah. Like who Who decided that? I don't know. Like you don't, you're okay with somebody going to a therapist for their mental health because you see that mental health is something that we should take seriously. So why don't we have the same view on what you're eating? Yeah, when you're how, literally doing it at least three times a day. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, I don't, like, it's just, or like, who says that you have to restrict? Like, why does it have to be so hard? Like, yeah, who, who, who are the people? So just trying to like mm-hmm. change that message for sure. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, where can everybody find Kalina and find you? We're going to put it in show notes, obviously, to make oh. it easy, but shout yourself out. <laughs> yes, we're at Kalina, www.kalinahealth.com. Our handle is at Kalina Health. Somehow we grew from like, 7,000 followers in September to like 30,000. And they're all real people. I, I presume. I know. I'm like, wow, good for us. And I, Vanessa Rosetto RD, you can always find me there. Thank you so much for coming on again. It's always good. so fun talking to you. Yeah, same. Thank you. I'm so glad to see you. And I hope you have a good holiday with your Thank family. You. hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.